Um, so as you guys know, we planted a campus a few months ago out in Boulder City, and uh, I work at that campus. And so, uh, and so we do worship stuff and family ministry stuff out there. Um, but uh, with that, I got to move to Boulder City on Thursday, so that's kind of a big deal. So, yeah. So Jake Gregor and I, we have an apartment out there, so it's pretty cool. Um, and so I'm super excited. Don't worry. It's not like I'm, like, leaving here. I'm still very much involved in this, just as much as I was before. So I uh, don't need to worry about that. Um, also, uh, <laughs> um, also my, my parents are in the back over there. Uh, that is Chip and Angie Lund. Those are my mother and father. And they, uh, if you want to go introduce yourselves to them afterwards, they can uh, indulge you in stories from my childhood. And embarrassing things. They have plenty, I'm pro- I'm, I, prom- I promise you they do. Uh, but they're in town because yesterday my sister got married uh, here in Las Vegas. So that was, that, that was a big deal. So uh, it was my first sibling to get married. So it was very cool to go and see that. They, she got married at Flamingo and stuff. And um, her husband's awesome. And so I'm very happy for them because they are very happy. And so uh, Micah came and shot the wedding with Tony and stuff. And so it was, it was, it was definitely a big deal. So, uh, but I was... It's been nuts this week, and so I gotta apologize ahead of time if I'm a little scatterbrained. That's that's why. But um, so we've been talking through parables. Which parable did Scott talk about last week? Feel free to answer. By the way, sower of the seed. Okay, and uh, what is a parable? Hmm. Alex, what did you say last week? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. <laughs> he said it in the back. I thought, how Southern Baptist is that? <laughs> <laughs> An earthly story with heavenly meaning. So, um, so I love I love a good story. I, I tell stories all the time. Most of them are true, um, but I love a good story, and uh, I love the fact that you can learn from stories. That you can that you can share experiences. That you can identify yourself with people just by you know they share a story. And you're like I can relate to that a little bit, and, and so I want to share with you guys a quick parable of my own life if you will, slightly humorous parable of my own life. And so maybe you will not make such awful decisions later on in your decision-making process. So um, a few months ago, uh, Micah, Travis, and I went out to dinner with a group who was in town for um, a couple nights. Uh, they were thinking about planning a church here in Las Vegas uh, around the college area. And so uh, we took him out to dinner. And so Travis paid for dinner, so I'll go anywhere. So, um, and so we went to the Rio Buffet. Um, and if you know anything about the Rio Buffet, it is like the world's largest, is it longest buffet? It claims one of those things. Uh, but anyways, um, so we went there, we chowed down some food, and um, I, uh, I, I left uh, slightly satisfied. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was all right. It was, it was, it was, a, decent, it was a decent meal. Um, but uh, I, I, had, uh, I had crab legs for the first time. And uh, I don't know if you ever had crab legs. People will kind of say that, if you have crab legs, you don't, they don't like to eat them because you have to work for your food. I feel like if I work for my food, it gives me an excuse to dip it in nasty butter sauce, you know? <laughs> so I feel like that gives me a little bit of a, you know, excuse to do that. So anyway, so that was the first time I ever done that before. And so, uh, so we, we took them to the, like, the hotel room, you know, we went to, went to sleep, and over the next morning, I was okay. It was like, you know, I woke up and went to work. About 10 o'clock in the morning, um, I started to feel just kind of nasty, and uh, so I, I called Travis, and said, hey, dude, I need to go home, man, I, I'm not feeling well, and, uh, and so I went home, and I got back out, it's about 11 o'clock, and I'm laying on my couch, and, and you guys are saying, like, I, I'm, I get, like, head colds and stuff on occasion, but I don't ever get, like, stomach sick, like, ever, and so, like, I get this feeling, like, right here in my stomach, and I'm like, 
is this what nausea feels like? <laughs> and so, like, I go, I stand up, I walk to the bathroom, I kneel in front of the toilet, <laughs> and I just blow groceries everywhere. And, like, and it is disgusting. And it's not like one time and I'm like, oh, I feel better. It's like, <laughs> it's like over and over and over again, and I'm just up chucking my brains out. And so, um, and so, and it was like, it was like three times and I'd go and I'd lay on the couch for an hour. I'd come back and I'd do it again three more times. And it was like nonstop for like four hours. It was the worst day of my life. By like the end of it, I think I called Mark around like two, Mark, where are you at? There he is. And so Mark had to come and pick me up because I was not in good shape. So I, when I called Mark, I think I was like, dear Jesus, this is what death feels like. Just take me now. Like <laughs> I just knew that this was the end for me, and so like I just, and so um, so I went to the doctor like a week later because I guess that was that important to me, and so <laughs> I went to the doctor like a week later, and he was and he was asking me, he's like, well, you know, what did you eat? And I was like, well, I went to the Rio buffet, and he goes like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, he's like, what did you eat there? And I was like the crab legs he's like <laughs> like I'm like is this some sort of conspiracy what's so funny and so like he was telling me he's like he said like every day somebody comes into that doctor's office from like food poisoning from the Rio buffet I was like why is this place still in business like why how can you have your license still if like people are dying daily because of you eating at your buffets and so like apparently if like you leave fish in the counter for hours it's bad for you so um, so a personal story, maybe in the future you'll think twice about eating at the Rio, I don't know. How many of you have eaten at the Rio before, the buffet? Anybody gotten sick? Anybody? Still hands? This is me, okay. <laughs> no, I'm the only one. So, um, but, you know, not, 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 not to bash the Rio, if you, just if you go, just stay away from the crab legs. So, uh, just an FYI, or the oysters, I don't remember which one it was, but anyways. Um, so, we're going to talk to you a parable tonight that many of you guys have heard before. How many of you guys have heard the parable of the prodigal son? You guys know what I'm talking about, prodigal son? Um, real quick, actually, I, I didn't do this. Can I, can I, can I get one of, the, uh, one of my handouts real quick from the back? Can someone grab me real quick right over here? Because I totally forgot mine. Uh, Joey, thank you so much. So, um, does anybody know what the word prodigal means? Besides Micah, who told me yesterday. Now, uh, who, who, does anybody know what the word prodigal means? Anybody? You may want to take a guess, a stab at it. What? <laughs> it means stab. No, it doesn't mean stab. Um, so the word prodigal uh, means lavished son. And so um, it, means, it means to lavish upon. So you can write that as your first word. It is lavished. Um, many of us might have kind of have this idea of what the prodigal son is like. Um, but first I want to do, I want to I pray for us real quick before we d- dive into this, because uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, so if you guys want to go ahead and start turning there now, I'm going to pray for us real quick before we get started, um, and, uh, and we'll talk about uh, what this parable means and how it applies to us. God, we want to thank you for tonight. We've got to pray. God, as the next few moments, as we just uh, talk about, God, your, uh, your plan, God, your desire for us to engage people. And what real, authentic relationships look like. And Lord, I pray tonight that, God, your spirit would speak and convict, God, to me, God, more than anything. God, I pray for these students tonight, that your, your spirit would convict as well. And God, we ask that tonight, that it would, it would change us, that we would be different because of the things that we've heard tonight. 
And so, Lord, would the words that I say, God, not be the only thing they hear, but, God, would they hear your voice, God, as you share with them, God, your desire and your plan and your challenges for their life, God, to see them rise above and, God, to see them walk deeper and more intimate in a relationship with you. God, we love you. So we pray. Amen. All right, so if you guys would look at Luke, Luke chapter 15. So the prodigal son, before we get into that, I want to set it up real quick because context is everything for us to understand. If I gave you an answer, if I said the word, okay, you're looking for four. You're like, okay, well, what's the problem? And you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. If I just gave you the answer, you, wouldn't un- you have to understand the problem to understand the solution. And so we want you to understand the context first before you, uh, before you begin to start understanding the, the story of the prodigal son. So before this, so Jesus, in, in the beginning of part of Luke chapter 15, you can look at it. We're not going to read it. But in the beginning of Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus is hanging out with uh, some sinners. And that's the way that the Pharisees have labeled them. And so he's just hanging out, having a good time. They're talking. They're eating. And the Pharisees says, I, I can't believe that Jesus would hang out with these people. That Jesus would hang out with sinners. And he would associate with them. That he would eat and dine with them. And so, and so Jesus says, um, okay, with that, I'm, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you three stories. And so he begins to start telling these stories because he wants the Pharisees to learn a lesson. He wants them to learn something. And so he, he, he says, let me tell you these two stories first, and then we can understand the parable of the, of, of the son. And so first he tells the story of uh, the, woman, or the, the man who has 100 sheep. And he loses one of those sheep. The sheep has gone away. And so he says, I'm going to leave my 99 sheep, and I'm going to go after that one sheep. And so he finds the sheep, puts it on his shoulders, walks back, and rejoices because he has found that which was lost. And so Jesus, in, in, in the end, he, he summarizes that story. And he says, he says that heaven rejoices more over one sinner who comes to repentance more than 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And then he says, okay, let me tell you another story, just in case you didn't get it the first time. He says, let me tell you the story of the lost coin. He said, there was a woman who had 10 silver coins. She lost one of them. She already had nine left, but she lost one. And he said that she, she tore apart her whole house. And if you guys were at Exposure a, a couple years back, uh, you remember Frank Tappy shared this story uh, on one of the nights. And so, and so what Jesus says is that she, she, she's tearing apart her whole house. She, she, she can't find this coin. And she's sweeping around. She's tearing the drawers out. She's flipping furniture over. And she sweeps around, and then she finds it. And she takes the silver coin and she goes and tells her friends, she goes, rejoice, for what was once lost is now found. And Jesus again summarizes it with the same thing. He says that God rejoices over one sinner who repents and who comes to him. And so he's, 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 he's talking to these Pharisees and he's saying, this is for you guys. He's saying, I, I, I'm talking directly to you. I'm not, I'm not talking to the sinner who needs to come and find me. I'm talking to the person that calls himself a follower of God. And he's saying this, he's saying, I want you to go after people. I want you to pursue people. That your job is great, it's awesome that you spend time with me and that you know my word so well. He's like, you're missing it. Because what I'm doing here right now, hanging out with these sinners and talking with them and dialoguing with them, that's what you should be doing. You should be hanging out, you should be talking with them, you should be engaging them. And so here's kind of the first uh, truth I want, to, I want us to get tonight, and it's your, first, it's your second little uh, blank there. It says, God is happy when you pursue him. He is happier when you lead others to pursue him. God is happy when you pursue him. He is happier when you lead others to pursue him. But we're not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that God does not love you if you're just 
if you're just pursuing him, if you, that's all you do. We're not saying that there's a level of love that God enjoys you and he doesn't love somebody else as much as you. God loves us all equally, sinners, not sinners. He loves us all equally. But he says this, that it brings more joy to God in the fact that if you pursue somebody else and say, listen, my, my life right now, I want to see you come to Christ. I want to see you make a difference. And so I, I want to I spend my time investing into you, seeing that you come into this relationship with Christ, more so than I spend my time with God. The thing is that we, we can't do that unless we spend time with God. We, we do believe that that is vastly important. We say that all the time. That, man, everything that we do overflows out of this intimacy with God. Everything we do overflows out of intimacy with God. Now you're awake. I think it caught on my glasses. I don't think anybody who wears glasses should have these. So I'm going to take my glasses off just in case it happens again. So now I can't see you. I'm kidding, I can see you. So, um, so, so, so God says, let's bring it back here just for a second. So, so God is saying, listen, I, I, I want you to pursue me. I want that. But even more than that, my message is so clear. That I, want you to sp- that I want you to share what you know with other people because that makes me happier. Because it's great the fact that you, that you spend time with God, that you're righteous, that you know God. But there's a bunch of people all around you every single day who have no idea who God is and have no idea what hope looks like. And they're living their lives every single day, walking through your hallways in your classrooms, being on your sports team, at your jobs, and they're living life without a hope at all. And they need somebody to tell them that there is a hope. They don't need somebody to sit on their high horse and say, I already know God. I'm great. I already, I already know that I have a relationship with God. I'm saved. I'm good. It's not, I, you need to pursue that. You need to pursue those relationships with people. So with that in mind, let's jump into the parable of the lost son. I want to read this for us, or the, 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 the prodigal son. I'm going to read this for us. And it's going to take a little bit. It's going to be on the screen. If you don't your Bible, it's going to take us just a second. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good amount of of scripture here so verse 11 luke 15 verse 11 says this and he said there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of property that is coming to me and he divided his property between them not many days later the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living then he spent everything uh, and when he had spent everything a severe famine rose across the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. So real quick right there, he's, he's asked his dad for his inheritance. It's his right to get that at some point in time in his life. But he asked for it as a, as a young man. He says, God, I, Dad, I want this now. And he, he leaves his dad and his family. He goes to Vegas, squanders all his stuff, um, and he, and he basically is, is now working as uh, not even like a paid servant. He's basically just working for scraps. And so he's, he's so hungry right now that he's looking at what the pigs eat, and he's saying, I want to eat that now um, because he, he has not food. But then he, when he came to himself, which basically means, this is verse 17, basically means when he had a little sense in him, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and he will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose um, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran to him, embraced and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for, his, for this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. So he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Is basically what they're saying. As he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, being the brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Basically, he begged him. He said, but he answered his father, and he said, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. He says, For this your brother was dead is alive. He was lost and it's found. And so many of us, when we hear that story and we hear, I mean, I, remember I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and I remember hearing this message all the time. I remember hearing it constantly that, you know, man, this is, this, is, this, is your, this is your evangelism message. This is what you share when you got people in the room who don't know Jesus. This is what you share and say, hey, listen, you're that prodigal son. You need to come back to God. And that's, that, that, is a, that, that can be a piece of it, I believe. But there's a reason that Jesus shares this story with the Pharisees because he says he's talking to them. He's not talking to them. He's not saying, hey, listen, I want you to be the Pharisees. I want you to come back home. Jesus is sharing this to the Pharisees because he's saying, you're that older brother. In Jewish tradition, as this older brother, he had the inheritance. It was his. That he had the majority of what was given to the son. And so he, with that responsibility, he was also entrusted with his family that the responsibility of the family went from the father to the son, and that if something happened with the family, the son was supposed to, the firstborn son was supposed to do something about it. So what he's saying here is that the brother, the older brother, was not supposed to stay at home and tend the fields. That's what he was doing when he left, when, it was, when his younger brother left. That's what he was doing when his younger brother got home. But that older brother's responsibility was not to sit there and just let his brother go. He was supposed to go after his brother. He was supposed to say, I want to go respect my honor. I want to go respect my family's honor. I want to go after my brother who is lost. And I want to bring him back. That's his responsibility. And that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here. He's saying that when you see these sinners, when you see me hanging out with these people, and you're saying, look at those people. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at Jesus hanging out with people who, 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 who are greedy, who are impure, who are wrong, who are nasty. Jesus says, that's your brother. He said, that's your brother. And he's like, you're supposed to be going after them. Because you have a knowledge of a message that can save, that can bring hope, that can bring restoration. You have that inside of you. And, and, and the thing is, though, we don't often believe that that message is enough. We don't think that message is enough. But let me share the, the, the second thing here for you real quick, or the, the third line down. It says, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, it is your responsibility to go after the lost. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, it is your responsibility to go after the lost. There are people you see every single day who are perishing without a hope. And Jesus says, listen, if, if, you have, if you've come to this relationship with me, if, you have, if you've accepted me, you've been given an inheritance. You've been given a message 
that cannot stay contained within yourself. It, it has to go out. It, it has to be said to your friends, to your family, to the people around you. This message is the only hope that they have for salvation. This message is the only thing that can bring them life in this life. And many times we just don't believe that. We just, we just don't believe that the gospel is enough. We, we have to believe that the gospel is the only greatest message this world has ever heard. The fact that Jesus saw us in our weakened condition. And he said that at one time, we were once enemies of God. And that's what he, in, in the Pharisees, when they're saying, listen, I don't, these people are sinners. I've been great. Listen, God, I've been, I've been following you my whole life. I've been, doing, I've been doing this Jesus thing since I was born. You know? I've been, I've been living the righteous life since forever. These people over here, they're just living up life, partying, drinking, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But I've been good my whole life. What do they deserve? Who cares about them? God says, I do. I care about them. He says, and you should too. That we've been given a message. That we've been given the gospel. That Jesus would see us and say, I love you. Regardless of your sin, your garbage, your junk. And he says, while, while you were still my enemies. In Romans chapter 5, that God says, while we were still enemies of him. That he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. We were there. We were once far away from God. And somebody pursued you. Somebody pursued me. And brought me into this relationship with Christ. And guys, tonight, this is, this is more so for me than anything. That, man, I've got friends around me all the time who are perishing without a hope in this world. And I've got the only message that can save them. Here's what I love about those stories, especially those first two. They didn't say, I'm just going to wait. That coin will show up eventually. I'm just going to, that, that sheep, I got 99 more of those things. They didn't wait for those things. Your friends aren't going to know Jesus unless you talk to them about it. This room's not going to be with people who don't know him unless you invite them we got school coming up in the next few months. Here's something that we always do here. We always present the gospel. And it's super easy. All you got to do is just invite your friends. It's not difficult. It's, it's not hard at all. But we promise when you bring your friends, they're going to hear about Jesus. And they may think we're crazy at first because you all thought we were crazy at first. But we want to share them. We want to introduce them to a love that knows no bounds at all. We've got to believe this message that Jesus had is worth everything, because it can't be in the middle. This gospel has to mean everything, or it means nothing. I'm going to ask the band to come up real quick, and I'm going to give you guys the last three right here. Just what is it going to take? What is it going to take for us to do this? And so I want to take from the first kind of couple stories just a little bit of a truth from each one. And it says, we have to see the value in the small. We have to see the value in the small. It was, it was just a coin. She had nine more. She's probably going to make some more money. But it's the small things. It's those, it's those tiny 
things that count. It's not about you putting on this huge, big spiel, this, you know, this elaborate story, this, this great big thing. You don't have to take him out to his steak dinner and talk about God. All you got to do is just say, hey, listen, man, I care about you. You're my friend. Can we go hang out sometime? Can, we just, can I just be your friend? Can I just, let's just go play games? Let's just go, let's just go grab some coffee. Simple, simple stuff. It's the small things that count. It doesn't have to be elaborate, huge, big. We're saying small, guys. And we're not saying, God did not say, hey, listen, go save your high school. He just said, love your neighbor. We have to think smaller. The second thing is leave what makes you comfortable. Leave what makes you comfortable. I don't know about you guys, but if I was a shepherd a couple thousand years ago, and that's all I had was a couple, it was a hundred sheep. I lost one sheep. I feel pretty good with 99. I, I, could, I could be very comfortable. I could be very set with that number of, of sheep. I don't need that one other one. They're going to they're gonna reproduce and multiply all that good stuff. I don't need that extra sheep. But I'll tell you what's the most unnerving thing in the world is to leave that detachment between those two and say, I don't even know if those 99 are going to be there when I get back, but I want to go for that one. I'm going to leave everything that makes me feel comfortable. I'm going to leave everything that makes me feel okay and feel good. And I'm going to go find that person in my life that needs Jesus. This is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, hey, listen, go leave your Christian friends and go party it up with the, with the sinners. It's not what I'm saying. It's not like that at all. You know that boundary. You know that boundary very, very clearly. And if you're that person with the mindset that says, well, I can go hang out with sinners and party and, and get drunk with them. I can still love on them with Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. You know that line. You know the level of appropriateness where it crosses the line and saying, you're, you're, going, you're going too far. You know that. If, you, if you've got Jesus in your heart, you know that inkling in your soul and you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. You know it's appropriate to pursue friendships with people. But you also know that you need that anchor of Christians around you who are supporting you and loving you in that. The last thing is this. We have to lose our pride. We have to lose our pride. I love the fact that Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, talks about Jesus humbling himself to the form of a servant and, and being obedient to death on a cross and, and didn't count the things of God to be something to be grasped. And he said he was God of this universe. And he still said that we were all worth it. That he, didn't say, he said, I want to enter into pain and death and suffering for you guys and for your friends. So if I can humble myself to that place, we can get off our high, high horse and we can say, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to be your friend. I want to see you come into this relationship with God. I want to see your life change like mine. And here's the thing. It's just one person. That's all we're asking. It's not 15 people. It's not 20 people. Just that one person. I'm going to pray for us here in just a second. Here's what I want. I want you to think of that person in your life right now. It could be one or two people. I want you to set a goal in your mind. I want you to set a goal. How many coffees are you going to have with that person by the end of the year? How many times are you all going to hang out? When are you going to share Christ with them? It's not saying the first time you've got to be with that person. It's going to be, hey man, you know about Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus? It's going to be, hey man, how you doing? How's life? It's cool. How's your family doing? Man, it's crazy. When are you going to start sharing Christ with that person? So think of those people right now. 
that are, you are surrounded with, you all know those people. I want you to think about those people around you right now. As I'm praying for us, as we sing, as we respond to God, what are your next steps? What are your action steps to see that person come into a relationship with Christ? What's going to make heaven rejoice this year? Because of what students in refuge decided to do and say, we want to pursue God even more. We don't want just, we, we, don't, we, don't, we just don't want this service level. We want to go deeper. We don't want to go beyond just our personal intimacy. We want to see somebody else love and pursue Jesus. That's what we want. So let me pray for us real quick. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. God, we just ask that, Lord, you would start convicting us of the things, God, and the people in our lives, God, that we need to share with. God, would you help us make it clear and evident who that people, who those people are in our lives? And, God, let us know, God, what you want us to do, how you're going to let us, how you let us get there. And, God, here's the good news for us tonight, is that our responsibility is just to share and to love. Our responsibility is only to share and to love. God, you are the one who grows the person. God, you, God, we plant the seed. God, you grow it. God, you grow that plant. And so, Lord, we pray that as we plant the seeds of, God, your truth and love into people, God, would you grow that for us? Now, we're trusting in you to do that. And we believe that, God, you are calling us to a deeper level of intimacy with you. God, we tell you we love you. Should we pray? Amen.